What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to In the Zone here on 91.3 Real College Radio. My name is Jacob. Alongside me, we've got the great legendary Tristan Kersker. What's going on? And uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, a little bit later. Uh, Darian's going to be joining us again to talk about the NBA a little bit. We're going to get to RSU basketball here in a little bit and some points that we think we need to address. Both teams on a two-game losing streak before going into this week. But first things first, the national championship was last night. Michigan ended up winning that game last night. All credit to them. First things first, we, we have to say it. Congratulations, Michigan. I won't. You, dude. No, I won't. You, you got. I think you got to give them props. No, I don't. Because they cheated. And they got proven to cheat. And then nothing happened to them because they were playing some decent football. Moral, I agree with you on this. Moral of the story, kids. It's okay to break the rules as long as you make your boss enough money. Like, come on. Connor Stallions had front row tickets to both of those games. Tell mm. me Michigan didn't pay for those. And, you know... Here's the thing I will say. As far as what's been made public, Washington wasn't the team, one of the teams that got caught investigating. So I will give them props for that game. In that game against Washington, I genuinely believe Michigan just was the better team. However, there were a lot of other teams Michigan had an advantage against that they had to beat to get to the playoff and then to the national championship, Alabama being one of them. And if y'all don't want to believe me on that, you can go do a Google search. Alabama's one of the out-of-conference teams that got caught watching. And I think that's the exact proof that we need. Like, yeah, okay, you didn't watch Washington. Congratulations. In all honesty, we're kind of shocked Washington beat Texas, okay? I mean... I Most everybody was pretty shocked when Washington beat Texas. I but, mean, I said Washington was going to beat them, but I just hate Texas, so yeah, I always root against Texas. Yeah, I mean, I hate Texas too, but I was being a realist. If I keep saying Texas is going to lose, eventually I'm going to get it right. Yes. <laughs> See, I can't stand Texas, but I was like, okay, this is practically a home game for them. Like, it'll be a, it'll be a pretty big shock if Washington wins. Right. And then, so it's already a shock that Washington's kind of in the national championship to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, and a big part of that is they beat Oregon, and they beat Oregon again when everyone said it was a fluke game. Yeah. But, but then... They went, and Michigan goes, and they Michigan beats a team that they were scouting before, that they got caught scouting. You I'm brought sh- it up last week. You were like, I thought it was kind of weird how they had so many perfect blitzes. Yeah, and like, I'm not implying anything. You know, every once in a while, a defense really does well. I'm going to be honest. But Alabama's one of the teams that got caught investigating, I know watching. And I know Alabama has a pretty weak offensive line, like an incredibly weak offensive line. There wasn't but, another game this year where Jalen Milrow got sacked the way he got sacked against Michigan, though. Closest game that you had to that was the Iron Bowl, and that's just because mm-hmm. Auburn can't stand them. <laughs> like, that is really it. But, um, and I know what everyone, the thing that stresses me out about it, too, for everyone saying, oh, we don't know for sure that happened. Not only no, do we they do have, know for sure that we happened. know for sure it happened, but on top of that, Michigan's whole defense to it hasn't been, we didn't do it. Their defense has been, yeah, well, we've caught other teams doing it, too. And, and even the Big Ten has came out. Keep in mind, Michigan is one of their two cash cows as of right now. Yeah. Next year that might change a little bit when other conference teams go into those conferences. But as of right now, they even they came out and they were like, it is not a legitimate defense to say other teams do it so we do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then J.J. McCarthy came out too and said the same thing. And I know where everyone's going to go with this. Well, there's no rules against sign-stealing. No, that's that's true. There's but it's rules not. against electronic science. There's a, there's a difference between like let's say you and me are coaching a football team, and I hold my right hand out in three fingers, and then I call out Charlie Blue, right? Yeah. And you sit here and you go, okay, he's holding up his right hand and three fingers. They're running trips right, and then you're like, what routes are they running on the route side? Okay, his slot ran a go, and then the next two receivers ran slants. Hey, next time you hear that play call, we're running Tampa two. That's legal. Yeah. That's just you fig- watching the game and figuring something out and me having a horrible sign. Ooh. What's up? Titans fired Mike Vrabel. I saw that coming. But um, that's illegal. That's that's allowed. But well, that's not what Michigan was doing. Michigan was... was sending a guy to other games, and he was using electronics to sign steal. To games record. That they, yeah. That is not legal. That was made illegal in the 90s. And that's... Heck, it's exactly what the Patriots got caught with. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're doing the exact same thing, and you're claiming innocence because everybody else did. Listen, I'm sure there are other teams that do it. Just oh, hundred like, percent. Just like paying college players, 
Right. Like, Everybody who we wants all, we to be all good know it happened. Like, yeah, you got caught, and some people were like, "Oh, you cheat." With paying players, not as many people were like, "Oh, you're such a jerk, you cheated," mm-hmm. because they're like, "Well, let's be honest, all of our teams are doing." It. With and like even the NCAA was sending stipends out too at times. Yeah, like, it wasn't worth what they were making off those players, but they still, even the NCAA still sent them cash sometimes. Yeah, and. When you look at it with the sign stealing, they're like, oh, well, other teams did it. I'm like, I'm sure a couple other teams that want to beat SEC teams did it. But SEC teams don't really do that with each other because they play each other a lot. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you Georgia was not doing that against Michigan when they played them a couple years ago. Right. They just whooped them. That's how it works. But, and, you know, credit to them in the national championship. I think they genuinely beat Washington. I don't think there was any controversy there in that game other than some iffy calls iffy is iffy's pretty loose of a word for that Mm -hmm. and my problem wasn't the calls like my problem was the consistency of them because some refs look at holding holding's a very vague penalty at least with cornerbacks and wide receivers it's vague on the offensive Mm -hmm. line it's pretty straightforward yeah but there were there were things that Washington were getting called for last night that Michigan wasn't getting called for, and that's where my problem is. If a ref is letting both teams get away with a lot of stuff, cool. At the very like, you're letting them play. It's and that, consistent. That's what I prefer to watch. I prefer to watch a game where you let them play. Now, does that mean you can blatantly grab Rome Adunze? By his collar and yank him down. Throw him to the ground. Absolutely And then the announcers were saying he lost his balance. Yeah, he lost his balance when he got yanked down. Yeah, when he got pushed to the ground. Like, one thing that was stressing me out about that game last night is how they were trying to make Michigan look like the victims towards the end. About how, oh, their coach got suspended for three very important games at the end of the season. Yeah, because... But they still won. And I'm like, they cheated. They broke the law. Stop trying to make them look like the good guys. They got caught. We know it happened. This they admitted to it. Like This isn't just like Ohio State loses to Michigan, so they start spreading rumors. We know this happened. It's public. And not only that, but they've been cutting quarters with some of their top recruits. Like That, that was another suspension Harbaugh faced this year. Well, that, that's the thing that people keep forgetting. Oh, they were sign-stealing. They have two different allegations for recruiting scandals on their hands right Plus now. Plus the sign-stealing thing. Like, like, you are in the... They, like, and their whole defense for the sign-stealing, oh, well, we've got evidence that other teams did it. Great. Why didn't you call them out on it? Show it. Show us the evidence. Where is it? Why did you... Like, that's, that's like when I was in fifth grade and I used to wait to tell my mom I got an A on a test so that I could get a new video game or get McDonald's for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, well, I got it. I, well, Mom, I know you don't want to do this, but I think you should because I got an A on a test three months ago. And that's the problem is like, not only are they, oh, we stole signs, but we're innocent. It's also, we cut corners on recruits and then we did it again. How in the modern day of NIL, of transfer portals, do you of, still break recruiting violations? Like, dude, at this point, the difference between breaking these rules and following these rules is like so thin it don't even matter. Cheating mm-hmm. at that point is more dangerous to you for getting caught than it even is worth it. Back in the day before NIL, absolutely. Like you could see the appeal to it. Hey, this is a guarantee for this kid. Is it against the rules? Absolutely. It, Do was we it, care? Was no. it was it right? No. I'm not even gonna try and defend like it was right. But, like, there was more to gain from it. At this point, they're cheating and cutting corners to gain... Nothing. A centimeter. A centimeter of traction on some of these guys. Right. And, you know, I will I will continue to say I think Michigan truly deserved to win that game last night. But that, they didn't deserve to win the Bama game. But they, I don't think... Exactly. So... And, like, all these people, like, Florida State should have got in over Bama. Georgia should have got in over Bama. No, Georgia should have got in over Michigan because Michigan got caught cheating twice in a season and somehow still didn't get And then a back. third time during the playoffs. And then here's the other thing I'll bring up. My favorite college football scandal of all time is the Johnny Manziel sc- scandal. Yeah. Because everyone and their mother knew what he was doing. Nobody cared. Like, yeah, a college, like, 
this kid's got, he's got a box full of Rolexes. He's buying new cars, courtside tickets to the Lakers games. Oil money, baby. Going to baseball games whenever he wants, throwing the first pitch for the Rangers. And his defense was, well, you don't have any proof that I got money from all these autographs. I'm allowed to sign autographs. You don't get any comments from me because Coach Sumlin has a rule that freshmen don't talk to the media. And my family's super rich because we got oil money from back in the day. And rather than the NCAA being like, does his family look like they make that kind of money? They just said, we're suspending you for half a game. We have to look and like we want to enforce our rules. Have, have you watched the documentary on Johnny Menzel? On I haven't yet? gotten around to it yet. There was one part that really sticks out to me is they're talking to his manager at the time. His name was Nate. And my favorite thing from that is Johnny Manziel says, I walked into that suspension ticked off, but with the biggest smirk on my face. And then it goes to Nate and he says, and after that suspension was over, we went right back to signing autographs. If you think after after Harbaugh got back from his suspension, they didn't go right back to using those signs, even when he wasn't there. If you think other coaches didn't know about that, allegedly Harbaugh didn't know anything about it, according to his statement. Well, don't don't let it fool you guys. If a head at no point does a head coach not know what's going on, right? Okay, like, and even if he wasn't there, if you think other coaches don't know the sign, if other coaches don't have access to that information, you're crazy. Well, here's the same difference, right? Look at a very similar scandal where the head coach said, I had no idea this was going on. Coach Petrino? No. I don't even know what Petrino did. I, all I know is Petrino basically just said, I want to be here, and then kept... Oh, well, that that's not the, what I'm talking and about. And then the whole scandal with his secretary. But yeah. that's, we're not getting into Okay, that. I thought that's you were talking little... about a different scandal, but no, I'm talking about Bountygate. So at Bountygate, Sean Payton, when that all got found out, and Greg Williams got suspended, and Sean Payton got suspended... And they're doing all this. Sean Payton the entire time said, I had no idea what was going on. Sure, no, he didn't. Well, here's the thing. He knew he knew that something was going on. Like, it was made plainly clear by evidence that he knew something was going on. But he actively, he told Greg Williams, whatever you're doing, keep it away from me so I can play stupid. It, it's <laughs> proven. It's like, hey, I want to play dumb when I get co- when if we get questioned about this, so don't tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Don't let me know what's going on. I may have an idea of what's going on, but if I don't know, I can claim I don't. Right. And, you know, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. Who did I say was going to win the national championship? Michigan. Who won the national championship? Michigan. Of course they did. You know why? Because they're cheaters. And only Everyone in was national... you're like, oh, well, Texas has a, po- has a really poised quarterback. Oh, well, Washington has a really explosive offense with a very accurate quarterback. Alabama has Nick Saban, God's gift to college football. Michigan are a bunch of cheaters. <laughs> I don't care who you have. Michigan's cheating. Definitely. And, like, this is proof that the whole cheaters never win. No, that's not true. Oh, Especially in college football. Cheaters win all the time. Right. And my fi- my final take on this is Michigan deserved to win that natty, or at least that game. They deserved to win they, the game. The they fact deserved that to win that natty. game against Washington. They had a great game plan going against Washington. That game kind of reminded me of Super Bowl 50 where it wasn't. Carolina lost that game. Denver won that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Denver was just the better team and they shut down an offense that was notorious for being Well, that's the very thing, they high, got high speed, they very got accurate, wild, very deadly. They got wildly outgained in that thing. It's just they got the mo- they got the right plays at the right time. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Um I do want to point out number 73 for uh, Washington. If that boy's not leaving that school right now, he's going to get kicked out. Because holy cow, as a former offensive lineman, that was a mess. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, Another thing I want to bring up. Something I'm noticing right now is a lot of people are saying like, see, I told you Penix was a bust. Listen, I'm going to play devil's advocate for that man a little bit. No, he did not have his best game last night. But A, it was against literally the number one team in the nation, the best team in the nation. Yeah. On the biggest stage. But on top of that, let's not sit here and act like his offense, the offense as a whole, was playing a great game. How many receivers had Drops. dropped passes? How many false starts? How many holding calls? And like, almost all of them were number 73. The average, the average third down, to, the average yards to gain to convert was 10 yards. You can't convert on third down if every single time it's third and long. And there'd be so many places like, okay, third and four, third and five, false start on the offense. And I, then there was the one, they finally connected on a deep ball with Michael Penix, and it got called back for holding. I just remember sitting here like, they can't catch a break. 
And then, you know, Michael Penix got his ribs, his ribs are probably broken. Got his legs stepped on by his own lineman last night. His running back was hurt. Like, he didn't play a great game, but at the same time, you let's could play, see let's, let's Let's look at the circumstance a little bit. But yeah, as a former lineman, if you're Washington's O-line coach, are you happy with how they played last Absolutely night? Absolutely not. Number 73 was constantly, he. if he wasn't false starting, he was getting beat off the line because he was waiting too long. My brother in Christ, it is week 15. You should have the snap <laughs> it countdown. It is the championship. You should have the snap countdown by this point. It is not that hard. Was he on the right or the left? He was on the right. That's even worse because Michael Penix is a lefty. Yeah, he's hey, the... you are the blind side. Figure, Figure it out. <laughs> All right, so let's jump over to a little less nationally stuff. RSU basketball. So it was a, it was a very tough week for both teams uh, going 0-2 in the past week. Uh, you want to start off with the boys or the girls? Typically, let's, we start off with the girls, but let's switch it up. Let's start with the boys. So, for the boys, they've had they had their games against Missouri Western and Northwest Missouri. Northwest Missouri, I'm not too concerned about that one. They're number 19 in the nation, and you know I'm not expecting this RSU team to beat up on ranked teams consistently this year. Next year, maybe, but let's be real, it's a young team. They've got one starter from last year, one consistent starter from last year, and. That's Isaac Johnson. And a lot of these guys, granted, these other players have talent, but they're just now stepping up to the plate. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't think it's a rebuilding year, but I think it's a quick little like... Learning year. Figure out what we got, and then next year is going to be the year where the expectation should be go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not too concerned about that Northwest Missouri game. We'll, we'll, let, we'll just not talk about that one. The Missouri Western one was a little interesting because for the first 10 minutes of that game... It was even. And then they ended up losing that half. They were down by 11 at the end of the half. And, you know, you've, talk, we've, you've said it on here. You can't, you can't let those teams go on those runs like that. No, and, I mean, that's one of the big things for this team is, I mean, they'll go on these amazing offensive They'll go on like a 20-4 run. Boom, 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 boom. And then they can shoot the three. They can hit it in the paint. They can score from just about wherever they want. Yeah, and then they'll let then they'll let the other team go on like a sixteen to two run. Mm-hmm. Like, great! I love the I love the fast break opportunities. I love the fact that you guys are making points happen. But f- for the love of everything holy, you gotta stop them. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one thing, and you know, in that second half, they kind of got their act together. They won the second half by four points, but they were down eleven going into exactly. it. exactly. So they ended up losing that game by seven, and it was kind of one of those situations like. They almost pulled the comeback off. But here's my two cents. If you're this basketball team, you cannot be in a situation where you're trying to play the comeback. That's well, just that's just not what they are this year. I'm not saying like they're I'm not trying to bash on this team by any means. I don't think this is a team that can come back. I think this is a team that needs to command the lead and control the tempo. You know what I mean? Well, and like let me this is a perfect reference that I always used to have. You know, OU back in their Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts days, all that. Mm-hmm. They'd always, in the first half of a game, they'd be just sloppy. Incredibly sloppy. And then the second like half... Like on they'd... the defensive end of things? or it, All around. Like, the, all, mm. these te- all these teams that they would play would keep it real close. And then the second half, they just turn on the Jets and they torch them. And everybody's like, oh, they're just a second half team. You can't be successful as a second half team. You... You can have a strong first half or a pretty mm-hmm. solid first half and then go out and do great in the second half. That's a great second half team. Right. But if you are playing awful in that first half and you are barely in there, you cannot bank on having one of the most game-breaking second halves and counting right. on that to win the game. Exactly. And I think this is a team that definitely plays better in the second half. And I think that's kind of just... I think in any sport, any team's going to play better in the second half because... Not all the time, you know. But and, for the most... But hear me out. Most of the time, like you know, you get through, you get to halftime. You go in the locker room. Your coach says, "Okay, here's the adjustments we're making. Go execute." And if you execute, you're going to play better in the second half. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not opposed to them playing better in the second half. That's almost expected. But like you're saying, you can't. This team, I don't think this is a team that's good enough to come back from behind. I think what they need to be a little more focused on is being on par at the end of the first half. Like, if they're down by six or they're up by two, they can work with that. That's yeah. 
That's reasonable. Don't be down by double digits when half. You can't hits. be down because in the games that they've won, they're usually either up by a solid amount in the at the end of the or first half, or down. they're like on par. You yeah. know what I mean? I think they need to. Here, here's the only thing I think they need to adjust. I don't think the defensive play is terrible. And on the offensive side of things, they kind the way the offense runs kind of reminds me of the Nuggets, in which it doesn't necessarily just run through one guy. Yeah, like one guy will score more points. Yeah, one guy will end up being the point leader, but like by maybe like if, a few points. But right. He's... If it's let's say it starts off with Isaac Johnson popping off, and yeah. then the team's like, "Hey, double him." Oh, okay. I'm just gonna throw it over to Rodney Battle. Exactly. Oh, you're gonna guard him. Okay. Uh, I see your double team on the short guy, and I raise you, Caden Fry. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can run the offense through whoever they want, but I think they have to slow it down just a little bit. You get 25 seconds. At least from the little bit of that first half that I watched, I don't think there was a single time where I saw the shot clock go below 10. And that's like. And I'm not saying every single time you have to shoot to avoid the shot clock, but take your time. Breathe. This is my philosophy with any sport. There's only one time and one place on any field, rink, court, whatever you want to call it. There's only one time and one place where the other team can't score, and it's when they don't have possession. You don't just have to play lockdown defense. One thing to make your defensive play better is play controlling offense. Play less defense. There's so many. There's so many teams that. Okay, we know this offense is probably going to mop the floor with us when they have the ball. So how do we keep them from scoring? We keep the ball out of their hands. Keep them on the sideline. Make them play defense. Dominate the time of possession. And I think this is a team that can very well do that. Literally just get set. When, granted, they have their moments on the fast break, and that's good. Every team needs to be good on the fast break, and we'll get to that in a little bit too. But for them, one thing I think they really need to work on is when they are in those situations where they get the ball and then they're going to set the play up, Slow it down just a little bit. Stay at the t- stay at the top of the arch for about five, six seconds. Get a play set up. Then run a play, you know? Yeah. Because don't get me wrong, their execution on the offensive end of things is pretty good. You know, it could be better at some t- points, but... Well, you, that's how all teams are. It's consistent, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the other team dominates possession so much that they're st- stuck playing on the defensive end a little more. And I, the only thing I think they really need to change is they need to they need to slow it down a little bit. Control the tempo. Because that'll make it easier for you to control. If you control the tempo of the game, you it makes it a little easier to lower the opponent's scoring. It makes it a little easier for you to dictate what's going to happen. And then when they get to the second half, that's when they turn the Jets on. Because they're going to do that either way. But that first half, time of possession, I think needs to be a little more focused on but that's the only that's the only tweak i'd make so let's flip this coin over (laughs) and jump over to women's basketball where we have the exact opposite thing to tell them so again another zero and two week um first things first i want to address something it is not time to hit the panic button for either of these teams especially for the women's basketball team because let's be real the bar has been raised they could not. They could not win another game for the rest of the season. God forbid. But um, now let's be honest. Bar was pretty low to begin with. Right. The point I'm making is in Coach Davis's first year, she's already achieved. The, she's already checked off the first box. Be better than the last dude. But um, and this year, I think the main concern for her is building a foundation, getting those younger players to know how she wants the team to work. And then build on it a little more as time goes on. But with that being said, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button with the women's basketball team. But at the same time, I do think we're getting to the point to where some changes need to be made. Not necessarily in who gets the ball and who, not not in like who starts or who's coaching or anything like that. Just a few adjustments. One thing I'm noticing, the defense isn't the problem. I think the defense at the bare minimum does good enough to win, uh, win them games. There's only been four games this year where they scored more, where the opposing team scored 70 or more points. The problem is on the other side of the ball, or on the other side of the court, I should say. 
I don't think I think their biggest problem is they don't come out of the gate hot enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I noticed, particularly against Northwest Missouri when they played them, the first out of the first five possessions, there were two plays that they ran four times. One of them was pass it out to the wing, and then the quick pass into the paint to Trinity Jackson or Cameron Estelle or Elasia Knapp, one of the taller girls, mm-hmm. and they go for the quick bucket. Doesn't and it doesn't always work. Or what they'll do is Elasia Knapp will make a run. She'll get open at the top of the arch and she'll shoot a three. Both are good plays, but I think the execution could be better at some points. Mm -hmm. But the main thing here I don't think falls down to execution. I think they just need to add a bit more of a wrinkle to their offense. And there's two ways they can do this. One is the simple one. Run different plays. You know, I'm sure they have other plays. Those are just the ones they feel the most comfortable with. Yeah, and I get that. You know, if you have plays that you feel are going to work the best, Mm -hmm. use them. And especially if they're plays your team's good at, you know. Yeah. Everyone can try to do this, like, improve on... Everyone wants to improve on what they struggle with. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the foundation for any sport is... Do what you're good at. Do what you're good at. Cover your weaknesses. Well, here's here's the thing also. With those, with those plays, you know, one thing I've noticed watching this girls' basketball team is they kind of rush their shots sometimes. Because it's know. usually like they get the ball and then boom, oh, right they'll up. they'll get open. But it's almost like they're so ready to get the shot off that they don't take the time to make sure it's going to work. Mm-hmm. They just like on that particular pay, play where they pass it into the paint. Mm-hmm. It's almost always it's get it, boom, throw it right up. Yeah, just go for the jumper right there. Mm-hmm. And I think and it's not a bad strategy because the girls that go to the paint they have height, they know it, and they're good at what they do. Absolutely. But that's the first thing they could do. The simple situa- thing is run some other plays. Get the other team to guess a little more, because I think the big the struggle so far has been to win games in conference. Yeah, and I think the only reason that is is because these conference opponents they do a little more homework on us than the out of conference teams. Well, because they got to play us more, right? Like it's the same thing in any sport. Like there's a reason. Like just for example, the Broncos will struggle, but then for whatever reason, they always play the Chiefs close. You know what I mean? They've done their homework. They know what this They play them twice a year. Yeah. There's a reason why when they play the Raiders, you know, Pat Sertan, say what you want about him as a corner, but when he goes up against Devontae Adams, for the most part, he keeps him shut down because they're going to play Devontae Adams twice a year. They do their homework. And I think that's the only thing that is giving these in-conference opponents an edge over RSU is they're doing their homework. They're seeing, okay... A lot of the offense runs through Elasia Knapp. Let's keep an eye on her. Okay, these are some plays they like to run a lot. Let's be ready for those. So, again, first thing, I think they just need to run some other plays at times and just get these teams to guess a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah. You scheme your best. Keep giving the ball to your best players, but scheme them open in different ways. You know what I mean? Elasia Knapp doesn't always have to take the three-pointer from the top of the arch. Brianna Fowler doesn't always have to take it from the wing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, I think they just need... But the other thing they could do... One thing I'm noticing, and you pointed this out to me before we started recording. It's kind of just a thing with women's basketball. There's not a lot of fast break opportunities. Yeah. I think they need to try to force some fast break opportunities. And I think they... Here's, here's, where I'm, here's why. I think they definitely have the size to... They have the size, the height, the... Talent. Fast break is all about speed. It doesn't matter about. I think they have the speed too, but I think they have the talent at the very begin, very worst to force turnovers and force bad transition play by the opposing team. I think, but there's a way. I think they need to. One thing I think they need to do is on the defensive end of things. They're really good at man defense. I think they need to try to play the three-two zone occasionally, and here's why. Here's why. I know we we talked about this beforehand. That's what the zone defense was what they did a lot last year and it didn't work very well. This just isn't the same team as last year. You know, you can afford to let Elasia Nat be that rover that kind of just stands around the key and then have your two players at the post guard the paint there, force them to go out to the wing. And you know, if it's a team that's got a good three point shot, then yeah, I'd play a little more man. But you play that three two, you get you get Nat, 
Kylie Day, Goldsby, Brianna Fowler, you get all those players, those are your two v two on ones. Those are your three on three v twos on the break. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not saying that has to be their entire game plan, but I do think it'd be an interesting wrinkle to add just to get a couple more points on the board. I, I just think that playing for the fast break, playing for the steals, you know, looking for that, that's dangerous. You know, you're right, and up- I'm not saying do that all the time. But, like, you know, we'll go watch these high school games. We'll call a couple high school games. Like, they'll start off normal. They'll play their man. And then all of a sudden, boom, high press. And they'll do that for a little bit. And then they'll go back to their man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Switch it up. Make them adjust to something. And then once they adjust to the zone, start playing man again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think they need to do it at times just to make these guys look at it and be like, what's, what's this? This this wasn't in the playbook. This wasn't – we didn't watch this in film, coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just adding wrinkles, just getting these teams to worry about more things. Definitely. That's where my that's where my two cents is on it. All right. Well, that's all the time we got for this segment. Uh, we're going to go on break, guys. When we come back, we'll be doing a special guest host. Darian's going to come back, tell us more about – you know, what he sees in the NBA and kind of his takes on certain things. But see you in a minute. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to In the Zone here on 91.3 Real College Radio. My name is Jacob. Alongside me, I got Tristan. What's going on? And we got a guest on the show for the second half of this segment. Uh, we got Darian coming back for another. Hello. S- how you doing, man? Good, you? Doing all right. So a few things to talk about with the NBA, but the first thing you wanted to open up with was the Lakers, right? Yeah, the, so the Lakers just won the Eden season tournament last month, and uh, LeBron won the MVP for that. So I'm not sure exactly how I feel about them winning that tournament cup because I don't see it translating into the games most recently, especially with them being 4-10. Right, because since then, now they've dropped down to number 10 in the West. Yeah, and on top of that, they have some very poor lineups. It's right, like they're uh, have a very defensive mindset, and it's not really translating. So, all. one thing I did want to ask you about that there was a lot of, I guess, a conspiracy is the best way to describe it. That um, the reason they're struggling so much is because they made such a deep run into the in season tournament. How how do you feel about that? You think that's legit, or do you think that's just people trying to say this is why the Lakers aren't doing so good? I don't think that's legit at all. Because if you look at the team on paper, it, it is is not that good. Like, I'm not trying to dog on them, but besides that team with D'Lo, and I think it would be Hachimura. Austin Reeves, what are you talking about, <laughs> man? You see, that's a problem. Austin Reeves probably could be better, but Darvin Ham's bringing him off the bench. He's not starting him. Gotcha. And when he was starting, he was in there for 30 minutes, and he only took, like, I think five shots. Do you think – okay, do you think that his shot selection is because of LeBron? I know, like – a lot of the, everybody talks about it. the offense runs through LeBron. He's going to take all the shots. Do you think that's hurting? That's the probably team? part of it. And also, but at the same time, LeBron's been told him like this is your team AD. So I feel like he's partially just they like it's LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Get a pinch. Give it to LeBron. Because you know one thing you got to remember is next year when uh, Bron when Bronny Jr. gets into the league, assuming he goes right away, mm-hmm. LeBron's already made it perfectly clear if he's there, if he's still playing next year. He wants to play with his kid for a year. So wherever he goes is where LeBron's going to go. So you've got to think for L.A., they're doing everything in their power to keep him in L.A. Most definitely. At least for another year. Get their money's worth out of his contract at the bare minimum. I think he has a player option, though. Like, is that the, I think it's partially on him. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to double-check that. You know? I I, one thing I do know is that there's no way Bronny's even coming into the league next year with how he's been playing. So <laughs> I don't think the NBA has to worry about that right now. I mean, if he tries to go, they'll gladly let him just because of his name. But. Be the, well, I mean, it's a weak draft class. He might get picked first overall just so somebody can get LeBron for a year. Oh, yeah. that's If you think someone isn't looking at that, like, how do we get LeBron here for another year, you're crazy. But I think I'm a, I th- I'm a second what you say. I think I agree with you that the whole – well, the reason they're struggling is because they won the in-season tournament. I think that's – it might play a little bit of a factor, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to explain how bad they've been recently because – the Pacers play just as many games as them, and they're sixth in the East. Mm. And right now, I think you could make an argument the East is a little better than the West. Yeah. At least this With far into the season, like too. That, yeah. Definitely, definitely how that works. Wait, what you got? I got a question for y'all. In terms of their failure at the moment, do you think that falls more on the players or the coach, Dr. Hand? I think that falls more on the player. I think that falls, okay. On Le GM, because let's be honest. <laughs> because let's be honest, LeBron built the team. Yeah. LeBron is why they hired Darvin Ham. 
LeBron's why they fired Vogel. LeBron's why they hired all these different guys. He's why Lonzo was gone in a yeah, year. Yeah, like, let's be honest. LeBron built the team, so its struggles are on him. Okay, that's fair. So here's one thing I will say. I do think that um, the coaching is to blame a little bit because at the same time as a coach, I think you have a responsibility. I don't care if you're LeBron or Jordan Poole. You have a responsibility to make sure a player doesn't get too much power in the locker room. So I think it falls on him a little bit, but – at the same time, the coach isn't the guy on, on the court playing. At the end of the day, it comes down to execution on the court. And I don't think there's anywhere you can put it other than the players for the most part. Obviously, coaches, you know, execute a little better when it comes to game plans and stuff. Yeah, like Darvin Ham needs to give Reeves more minutes maybe. More, I feel like his problem is is he's more of a defensive mindset and not an offensive mindset. Because gotcha. if you look at a lot of his like lineups, especially after the in-season tournament, it was more defense orientated, and that's not how this works. And they ha- they have the players to be an offensive minded team too. Sure. Like it's not like it's just LeBron and then a bunch of other bums, West Bricks. You know what I mean? Like they gotta, could. Hey, Clippers <laughs> doing pretty good right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like they they the point I'm making is like they got the talent to play offensive minded ball if they want to, but they just don't. So you said you wanted to bring up the Thunder. Yeah, and I just want to talk about how good they're doing, really. No, for real, because when we talked at the start of the season, we were saying, like, I think they're going to be good this year. I don't think anyone had them at second in the West right now. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be this good this quick. You know what I mean? Because on top of just – see, this is my theory. I'm all about conspiracy theories. So, <laughs> I feel like this is just the beginning of our re- rebuild, if we're just being honest. Because I think between now and 2030, we got, like, 35 to 40 draft picks. Ridiculous most of them are Seriously. In yeah, but here's at, the thing at, at this, this point, point, by the end, they won't even have to, they won't even have to use all those to draft players at this point. Like they can use those as trade collateral at this point. It's pocket change. Yeah, that's another thing I want to lead into. How do you think Laurie Marketing would be here? What, what's he play again? He's a power forward, right? I think so. He's a four. What's Giddy? Is he a forward? <laughs> no, nah, he's guard. Okay. He's guard. I think that's their top concern. They need to find somewhere to send Giddy. I think they need to get well, him get him away from Oklahoma. The question that I <laughs> <laughs> they don't need that drama here. <laughs> the question that I've that I've been asking myself and a couple others is: Do they have too many picks? I mean, there is too much of a good thing because what are they going to do now? Like they very obviously have their spots set up. They have their starters in place for a while now. W- what are you going to do? Like. What does that say to your teammates when you're drafting their position in the first round because you literally have nothing better to do than draft bench warmers? Because eh, like, not. Well, it's the same thing with the Thunder in the late 2000s, right? Three straight drafts drafting an MVP. Had they done, not had they not gotten Harden, right? Had they gotten somebody maybe a little less good, not t- not too much, like not too worse, but a little less. I see where you're going with this. But I'm not trying to hate on these new players. But, like, those hard. three players are going to be future Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah. We don't know if Chet, Josh Giddy, is Shea. Shea, he might get up there. But you don't know if all three of those are going to be future Hall of Famers. Right, because the, bi- the biggest. <laughs> the bi- <laughs> so, Josh Giddy might never get, like, Harden money or, like, you know, Westbrook money. I, I'll, argue, I'll argue that's money. a good thing, though, because look at what's happened to Harden since then. True. Grant, he's still a good player, but. Since then, he's had so many things. Like he went to Houston, then he went to where did he go next? He go to net. No, he, he went, went to, to the, the clubs. <laughs> he uh, went to the clubs. Went to the Nets, and then then he went to the Sixers. Then he went to the Clippers. It, and it's kind of it's. He's still a good player, mind you, but it's sad. The Clippers, you know, he did say he was the system. It, it's kind of looking like he is the system. I, I, still early. I mean, the Clippers, still early. I mean. I th- the thing that made that have to happen was that Russ had to take a seat. Like, he had to start coming off the bench. Mm. And looking wasn't at how he coming the off the bench when he was in L.A. too, though? No. He wasn't? No, no he kind of did. Yeah, well, it's like later. It, yeah. mm. I got you, I got you. But then, like, when he signed with the Clippers, and he wasn't coming off the bench. He was their starting point guard. And they were doing good. I mean, he was playing good. And then they brought in Harden, and it completely screwed up his system. So, do we think that Harden's actually the system, or do we think that the Clippers are catering to Harden like the Rockets used to, and this is just going to lead them to failure in the playoffs? Yes. Because, let's be honest. I think it's a little bit of both. On teams where Harden does great, where he's the lead, it's because he's demanding everybody be the lead and everybody's bending over backwards for him. 
I feel that. I see what you're saying there. It, my my conspiracy theory with Harden, his career would have gone suit in Houston. His career would have gone a whole different route if Houston had managed to pick up LeBron. <laughs> Just hear me hear me out on this because this because <laughs> even when LeBron was trying to leave Cleveland. My thing was I think he should go to Houston. Just think about the CP3 at the time, Harden at the time, and then you put LeBron in that lineup. That's Golden State 2.0 at the time. Ooh. Neither of those players really ended up being what they were at that time, though. But you, you put those two guys with LeBron on a lineup, they're not going anywhere. Those guys don't leave Houston, I don't think, and I think you've got a complete team there. But that's just my what if, you know what I mean? Well, never would have known how that turned out, I guess. Yeah. Could have been the new age, late 90s Rockets when they had Hakeem, Clyde, <laughs> and Charles Barkley. <laughs> or no, it was Hakeem, Scotty, and Charles Barkley. Uh, maybe. But, um, so, talking about, we talked about how OKC's second in the West. Let's, I want to quickly bring up, what are our standings? Because, you know, you two are Thunder fans. You know, it must but, be whoa, nice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me? What'd you just call me? But number two. Thunder fan. Don't don't get me wrong. I got I'm, I'm giving the thunder oh, yeah, props. You're, you're a Nuggets fan. I'm you're from Denver. Fan. No, don't do that to me. Well, see, okay, I'm from you, Denver. You two are fans of good teams, and I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm dying <laughs> on the inside. I'm a Mavs fan, man. You're a Mavs fan. Yeah. How are they doing actually? I they're, they're, they're doing. Six, they're sixth, right? Yeah. It's just defensively, it's like not there. Yeah, they got to outscore. Like it's what they have to do. Yeah. I looked at it. If they score under like 120 points in a game, they're more than likely gonna lose because somebody's playing defense. Hmm. The Nuggets are doing all right. They're third in the West. Can't beat the Thunder for some reason. Well, let's make this clear. You're fans of teams that are going to make the playoffs. Don't jinx me. I, because we, we still got to keep that Serbian polar bear kind of interested in basketball. He just wants to race horses and go home, man. That's but <laughs> um, let's take a look at, like, two bottom feeder teams I want to quickly bring up. The Spurs, right? How are they struggling as bad as they are? I'm not saying they should be at the top of the West by any means, but you literally just got to pass the ball off the backboard to, to the alien that you have running down the To the seven-foot-four dude who doesn't even have to come off the ground to dunk. Iguodala oh no, we've did got not three retire to stop the, this. we got four seconds left on the shot clock. Get in the paint. That's all you got to do. You got to cheat code. What do you think? I think the team is a little confused as to who their number one is because I was like – I don't pay attention to Twitter, but, like, I watch other podcasts and stuff, and I've seen, like, he was talking pretty kind of bad about him in a way, pretty much how I've been here for a while. I don't see Who was it? So, so, so Chan. Oh. So Han, how he didn't feel the need he had to pass the ball to him. So I feel like that's really what it is. They don't know who the number one is, and the number one's not even fully developed in all fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, like, here's even, my two cents on that, though. When was the last time the Spurs had a winning season? It's been a while, but. It's uh, only been, like, I think we had a winning season in 2019. Something like that. It's been a minute, though, right? DeMar. But when was it? Here, I'll raise it one more. I'll raise it a little bit more. When was the last time the Spurs went to the playoffs? Uh, 2018, because they got beat by the Nuggets. That's right. That's right. But um, the point I'm making here is when you are on a team that's struggling the way the Spurs are, no player gets to decide they're the number one. Everyone's job's on the line. Coach decides who's number one, and if Pop's right. got any brain cells left in his old head, you should be handing the ball to Wimby. Like, yeah, he's already – like you said, he's not developed, right? But he's still leading the team in points per game. He's still leading the team in blocks per game. Like, as an underdeveloped kid, he's the, probably the – he is the best player on this team. The, bo- the bottom line yeah, is – he's. Kids, the kid's seven four. Like the kid could have blocked Shaq if he was still playing. He got blocked by Jared Allen last night, though. Well, That's Jared, a little funny. <laughs> That's a little funny. I'm not he gonna did. lie. Well, here, here's the thing. <laughs> he looks so confused. Here's the thing about Jared Allen, though. He'll jump with anybody. Like True. he is on some of the greatest highlight posters of all time because he's not scared to jump. So Might like, as well, what do you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, I love Jared Allen to death. I really do. He's awesome. But like. He blocked that shot because he's just not—he's not willing to say, mm, "I won't risk it." He'll like, "Yeah, we'll see what this uh, we'll see where this goes," and he throws his hands up. But it worked, though. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It definitely worked. But um, I'm not saying they need to be using it should every single time be get the ball to Wemby, but I do think they need to use him way more. Definitely. I don't. But bottom line is no, including Wemby. He, no one should be saying I'm. No player should be saying I'm the number one here, because the bottom line is. 
Spurs are five and thirty. Everyone's jobs on the line right now. What what was it that uh, Rudy Gay said to Bismack Biombo when they were on the he was on the Bobcats and he Bismack Biombo blocks a shot and he says get that out of my house and Rudy Gay looked at him and said bro you have forty losses this is everybody's house. <laughs> Like, it's this like, is it's like that thing with Jokic last year. I don't need him. I don't need help. I don't need him. Brother, I got 40. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I like, got him. Like, this, is, this is my team. My brother in Christ, you got 30 losses. This is nobody's team. Spe- speaking of teams that are kind of struggling this year, I think we need to give credit where credit's due. Pistons finally won a game. I think I th- just to, I think we got to acknowledge that. Yeah. Crazy, stat, fin- crazy stat of the day. Kate Pistons Cunningham finally won a game. He was down in that Pistons logo looking like he was staying up with infinity on it. Man, he needs to get out of there. Literally. Yeah, you know, Cade Cunningham. I he feel, needs to get out of there. I feel bad for the dude. He's been going through it. He, he needs to go somewhere, anywhere else. It's, like, what? Okay, Darian, what do you think? 28 games. Detroit sports teams now own the worst losing streak in every single major sports category. Did you see that meme real quick? Before I don't mean to cut you off, but did you see that meme where it was like, maybe their Division One team is good? Oh, no. <laughs> and their Division One basketball team is like 0-14 on the year. Exactly. So, what do you think, Darren? See, I've watched basketball almost my whole life, and I really can't explain that one. Do you think uh, it's just just bad luck? Uh, that's the way it's going, or Monty Williams? But I don't know. I honestly don't. I could I could explain the Wizards' downfall more than the Pistons' <laughs> downfall because realistically, on paper, the Pistons actually should not be this bad of a team. Like you know, they should be able to win a couple games here and there. So, I was kind of I was kind of bummed out because I was like, at this you're at 28. At this point, you might as well just make it an even round number. Get to 30 at this point. Yeah, well here's they're 33. You have you have a record. You might as well make it as unbreakable as possible. Well, I saw this guy. He was talking about why you know why the losing streak was so bad. He made the point. He's like, it's just getting the longer it goes, the worse it's going to get because nobody wants to be the team that loses to them. Oh, for sure. Nobody wants to be that team. Here's the, here's the conspiracy theory I got. Wingstop probably investing a little bit of money oh, into yeah. the NBA or the referees or something because they don't want to give out free wings. That that's the new NBA. <laughs> that's my that's my conspiracy theory for the day. I know NBA fans are all big on their conspiracy theories, and I I 100% believe that Wingstop rigged all of those games. Because you you know that game against the Celtics where they it kind of looked like they were going to pull it off for a second. Everybody was buying. You know everyone was waiting outside Wingstop before that game was over. Oh, I remember man. I saw they were up by like six in the fourth quarter. I started googling. I was like, because I was in Uluga. At the time, I was like, where is the nearest wing stop? It's, where is the nearest wing stop to Lugan? It's got to be Tulsa, right? There's one in Owasso, o- maybe? There's one in Owasso. I think I've seen it. Okay. No. There's one in Broken Arrow. Okay. Still not close. In, in between the two, basically. Close enough, man. I'd go for some five free wings. <laughs> I can get there in time. <laughs> I got time. All right. Uh, question I have. What about the Knicks? Y'all seen the trade they made? Yes. What do y'all think about that? <sighs> Well, looking at this game that R.J. Barrett had like a couple nights ago, was it? Or his last night, something? It would have been two nights ago, I think. It was like 37 points, six assists, six rebounds. It almost makes me wonder if Julius Randle's the problem. Because, I mean, that guy is – you could tell that guy spent time with Kobe with the way he's throwing up shots. Offense, hey, he had a good game a couple nights too, though. So, what? It, my thoughts are it was good for R.J. Barrett to get out of there. I think that in Toronto he'll have a better cast with, like, Scotty Barnes and all them around him mm-hmm. and uh, Siakam, obviously. And then with the Knicks, not a bad haul. I mean, OG Ananobi, he's a solid guy. He's some good depth for him, and he's well-rounded. What do you think? I think it was a good trade for him. Um, Who do you think wins this trade, though? Honestly, I would say the Raptors. Because they got quickly. That's young talent to develop. I so it's RJ. Quick, I forgot about quickly. So, you know, they got that young talent. And that's where Austin Elite did, too. It's, it's, I think Pascal going to go. I think he's going to demand too much money. That's part of it. Another thing is he's not going to want to lose. He's actually going to want to play. And I think they're they're going to tank. So do you think if the Raptors have they're enough gonna, success to maybe make the play in, do you think he stays at that point? No. No? I think they're going to look to trade him. So, for sure. Where's a good landing spot for him then? Ooh, I don't know. Because th- he was like, a. If they have money, I say the Warriors. 
but I don't think they got the capital for that. I mean, if they, I don't, cut, I don't know, if they I cut Draymond, the and maybe I they mean, get rid of. Uh, I'm saying the youth. I'm saying the youth yeah. that Pascal could bring. I mean, get rid of Draymond, free maybe, up a little bit of money. <laughs> maybe cut either Kuminga or Looney. One of those two. Probably Looney. Yeah, and then bring in Siakam. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad spot. But yeah, he'll throw Looney in to the Siakam trade. I bet that would work. I definitely do think that they're going to start pulling that part team apart and build around Scotty instead. I definitely do feel that it's the future of that team. Definitely. Uh, maybe a bright future over there north of the border. But you also said you wanted to bring up one young star, John Morant. Man, this kid can't catch a break. Obviously, man is gone for the rest of the year. Again, bro. How many games did he actually play this year? Like four? Yeah, like four or five. They were good games at least. Yeah, I I, I do want to call it. The Grizzlies look like they were going to be that one team that like sneaks into the play-in, but everyone's like, hey, that record ain't – that doesn't reflect them. Well, it's because like without Jaw, they're nothing. With Jaw, they're just torching the earth. But here's what I want to say real quick. I called it. I want to make sure I tell you everybody I called it. You called what? <laughs> I said that in his first game back, he's either going to have one of the most atrocious games you've ever seen. You did say that. Or he's going to pop off, and what do you know? He drops You're like, 30, there's no in-between. <laughs> he drops 34 and hits a buzzer beater to win the game. I called it. It, it sucks for the it sucks for them because they, they finally looked like they were going to come back. They were going to be this year's Miami Heat almost. Or like they make a run at the end of the season and then decide to go all the way to the finals for no reason. But not anymore. So what does it? What does this look like for the Grizzlies now? Because they've still got. What do you mean? Well, I mean, do, obviously they're not going to be good the rest of the year. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> That's what, what it, it looks like. <laughs> what just, when he was gone, it wasn't. Was, they were still doing really bad. It's like, okay, listen. <laughs> Who's I, it? Who's in the draft pool next year? Like, I do. How much cap space we got? That's what it looks like. Coming up on the trade deadline. Uh-huh. Do they sell? Like, do they start getting rid of guys like Steven Adams, guys like that, maybe see if they can get a high lottery pick and pair him up with Jaw? Nah, I feel like they're probably just going to let them mm. recuperate, recuperate and heal. Don't know what that was. I mean, the way they're playing right but, now, they're already going to get a lottery pick. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I don't think they're just going to ditch Adams because if you look at the Adams on any team, I think he, with the way he plays and what he does, he kind of – Well, and like – You know. And he – Let's be honest. Maybe he's not statistically the most dominant big ever, but boards stuff yeah, like, like there. He's a great locker room guy too. You got to remember that. Like everybody who's been on a team with him says they love him. And I know you remember those thunder screens. Oh my! He's God. built like mm-hmm. a brick wall. Patrick Beverly got his skeleton <laughs> screen. <guy. laughs> I swear, right? Russell loved to do that. It's like he was just sacrificing them. Dope. Like he knew what was gonna happen to him, man. He knew they had to run full <laughs> speed if they wanted to keep up with him. So he's, he's just like, like I'm, okay, I'm taking you towards your screen. Even though you're not paying attention. <laughs> it's just, hey, my feet are set, bro. I don't know what you want me to do. Just imagine imagine being that defender. You're like, man, I'm keeping up, but boom. Right, <laughs> right into a brick wall of an Australian man. That's funny. Oh, man. So we've mentioned Jaw. We've mentioned all these guys. There is one thing, and I just recently thought about this. You said you could tell us exactly what's wrong with the Wizards. But I want, more importantly, I want to hear about Jordan Poole. Some of the thoughts you might have about him. The fact, Jordan Poole? Yes. He thinks he's Jordan? Like, really Jordan? Like, Michael Jeffrey Jordan? Poole? <laughs> like, <laughs> that Jordan? <laughs> have, you, have you seen that thing on uh, I, on IG? Uh, they're called Riot Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pool Boy, have you seen that? Yeah. Like, he thinks he's a superhero. <laughs> Do you think Draymond broke him? No. He has too big of a head, and when I think that's really what was going on there, why Draymond did probably punch him because he has too big of a head. Because well, if you look at the plays he makes, they make no sense. Like even if I was at Rikers Park, which I would never go to Rikers Park because I would die, I wouldn't try to do that. Like who are you? Well, I mean, like there, I know there's the one play that everybody highlights where he gets that nasty ankle breaker and then like tries to underhand his shot. <laughs> I, know, I know that shot made you mad. Clear, clearly, this is a trigger for you. The, Kyle Kuzma made me mad, too. I just don't understand the basketball IQ, if that makes any sense. Like, I can't lie. I'm not athletic. I couldn't play basketball like that. Well, you don't have to be but athletic. But mentally, 
<laughs> you don't. <laughs> I don't. You don't have to be. Don't make no sense. You don't have to be athletic to say, "Wow, that was really stupid." I mean, but the real problem is, is just youth inexperience. That's the problem with that team. I mean, Kuzma's not that young though. But he. Yeah, but there's only so there's only so much he can do. But what actual playoff experience does he have? Like next deep, to none. Like yeah, like that's really what matters. Like Shea would actually have more experience than him and be more of a vet because he's actually gone to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But Kuzma's a veteran in the sense that he's been in the league for a long time. But he's not the kind of veteran you bring in to say we wanted a veteran presence on this team. Like that would, for an example, that would be like Dame in the off season. Because remember, we were talking about it, and you say you were like, Dame's like the uncle at the party that just wants to have a good time, but everyone else keeps making him watch all the kids. Yeah. Like, that would be a good – in that situation, if you're looking for an offseason – or, excuse me, if you're looking for a veteran presence, that's the kind of player you go get. But there's a very big difference between Dame, Time and Kuzma. Well, I do want to bring up – I know – I don't know if you guys saw this, but Draymond got interviewed about the Warriors falling apart, and he said if the – if the Jordan Poole incident hadn't happened, that whole team would still be together and still be playing for championships. You, you, when you say the, the Jordan he, Poole incident, do you mean him punching him in the head? Yeah, I was is like... That the, this I, is your fault, bro. And everybody, all the fans' collective <laughs> response to, dude, you're the one who punched him in the face. Like, you can't say, oh, if that incident hadn't happened, you're the incident. Most definitely. I personally don't know what went on there. I just thought it was kind of funny. And at the same time... I feel like the Warriors lost a little bit with mm-hmm. trading pull away, but at the same time, not necessarily. Makes sense. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't know. With Golden State, I think all they had to do was just, you know, there was a joke going around with Poole, like he only balls out when the baddies are in the si- on the <laughs> sidelines. Yeah. I think they just needed to start paying some celebrities to start showing up to more games, and they would have been fine, man. <laughs> so we're, we got enough time for one more segment. Hey, I, I actually, I actually had a question that I wanted to bring up, if you, if you don't mind. Let's hear it. So, beginning of the year, we all kind of made our picks, like who we thought was going to be the dark horse, and then mm-hmm. who we all thought was going to go on and win the whole thing. We're about midway through the season now. Anyone's opinions changed? I mean, like I'm, OKC is less of a dark horse than I thought they were going to yeah. be. Yeah, but that's because they're more of a favorite now. Like they're second. In yeah, the that, that's what I mean. That's the only thing that's changed is instead of going from oh we might make the play in and make a deep run, it's we're, we're number two in the West. Yeah. Yeah, everything right now, standing-wise, looks about right to me besides, like... I don't know. The Nuggets should be up a little higher, I think. Well, what, they're third in the West? It's too low. Yeah. It's too low. One one championship spoils this guy. The only thing that's really disappointing hey, me so far would be, like, the Nuggets Lakers. ain't ever the won Lakers, a championship. Yeah. We, we have set a new standard. We can't drop down. I don't know. With the Lakers going into the season, I was just like... I never thought that team was going to be have the right chemistry. I thought they were going to at least be actual contenders. You know, as I just look at right now, I don't see them taking certain people on in a game, seven-game series anyways. At, for me, at best, no I thought they were making the play-in and maybe, maybe winning the first see, round. That's sad that you're saying that, though, because they have Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team. Yeah, this, but, this is the team that won a championship like three years ago. Here's my thing, but, though. Whether like, it's the bubble or not. Like, like how big are these guys' contracts? Massive. I'd, I'd expect them just to carry no matter what. Last year they were in the West Final, Western Conference Finals, and they just lost that one because well, hey, Denver was just Denver last here's year. Here's the thing, though. They were in the Western Conference Finals, and nobody expected them to be there. But instead of saying, okay, what made us good and building on that, they just said, oh, we're going to do the exact same thing and hope we can get lucky again. Like, don't get it twisted. This is the exact same team from last year, mm-hmm. meaning they're playing like the exact same team from last year. So when it comes to just making I mean, improvements, they didn't make improvements. Te- in all technically, honesty, LA's, if the season ended today, they'd make the play-in, right? Because they're 10. They're 10th right now. <laughs> technically, they'd make the play-in. Yeah, but that's not playoffs. Yeah, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying, like, may- maybe. Well, it's just ever since LeBron got to Los Angeles – it's felt like none of these teams. They could face the top seeded team though. At the same <laughs> <time>. Yeah, <laughs> it's hey, all you got to to win the to win the whole thing first. You got to get to the playoffs. I'm just saying, <laughs> but Miami did it. So can we? Ever since, ever since LeBron got to the Lakers, it felt like every Lakers team that has been around him, and let's be honest, he's built these teams. None of them have had chemistry. I mean, it's just felt like they're all kind of. LeBron's just picking and choosing guys that he wants, but he's not picking and choosing guys that'll work well together. Yeah. I mean, like... And, you know, this is this is something that... This is my two cents on LeBron. 
he he kind of gets praised because like a lot of whatever team he goes to, he carries that yeah. team. That's not just there are a bunch of terrible players on the team, and then LeBron gets there and he like elevates their play. He just takes a bulk of the workload. It's not like. In Cleveland, like, the whole thing was, like, he'd be averaging 50 points a game in the finals, and then the other players would be averaging around 10, 11 points a game. That wasn't just the other players couldn't score. That was just LeBron was the centerpiece of the offense. Yeah. And they're they're trying to do that now. I don't want to go as far as to say age is becoming a factor because it's LeBron, but that strategy hasn't worked out in the second half of his career. You can't deny the fact, yeah, he's 39, and he's averaging 25 a game, which is incredible for 39. Cool, but what's if the you're averaging what's the Lakers record though? Well, if you're averaging 25 a game, that means somebody else should be averaging about the same. Somebody should be somewhere close to that. They you got know, players should, that totally could. If your play is starting to decrease, then somebody else should be starting to increase, and it's just not happening. Dude. So you know that's all the time we got for today, guys. Um, Darren, it was good to have you on again. Great having you on, man. Nice to see y'all too. All right, so make sure you follow us on Instagram at In The Zone Radio. Follow us on Twitter, X, whatever you call it, uh, Elon Musk's thing. You can follow us there we, uh, at We Are In The Zone. Uh, we'll see you all next week on Tuesday, live here on 91.3 Real College Radio, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, links to those are in our Instagram. All right, see you Bye. guys.